no one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkins and Andrew Filipponi. All right, let's do this. Thanks for being with us on a Week 7 edition of First and Pod. Danny Parkins, Andrew Filipponi. Subscribe, rate, review. Do us a favor. We do every game, every week, every team twice a week for your Friday and Monday morning commute. If you know someone who likes the NFL, tell a friend. Pony is fresh off television after a zero combined point second half Sunday night football game. Dolphins 16, Steelers 10. What's the league, uh, the lead in Pittsburgh Monday afternoon? Yeah, the lead in Pittsburgh is going to be that the quarterback, the rookie quarterback, threw two interceptions on their last two drives and what that means. You know, Pickett's turnovers late in the game. So for us, that'll be the focus. Two touchdowns, seven picks to start Kenny's career. You know, is that a harbinger of things to come or is that just what rookies have to go through on the road to becoming a great quarterback? And uh, that, that was for a Kenny supporter like myself. That was a very difficult final few minutes of the game, Danny. That was a tough one for me. Yeah, he had he had some bad ones. I mean, the first one, you know, Claypool fell down. Um, I got to say, this is purely anecdotal, but I've seen a lot of him. You know, it's it, it's been easy for out-of-towners to, to see yeah. a lot of him because the sample is still so small. Trent Dilfer comes on our show. And he talks, he says, there's, you grade Justin Fields and you grade quarterbacks. And remember, he's he runs the Elite 11 camp. Basically, anyone who's been a good quarterback prospect in the NFL in the last decade has come through Trent Dilfer's camp. Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, all of them. And he says there's the playmaking bucket, there's the pocket bucket, and there's the stuff bucket. There's these three things. I think the stuff bucket's there, man, on picket. He's he just how he carries himself yeah. after runs, after he gets hit, after he throws an interception, even like he it's 44 pass attempts for a rookie. Like the guy has no quit in him, no fear in him. Um, yeah, he tucks it and runs some, which is okay, it's an asset. But he's willing to go down firing. So, like, purely anecdotally from afar, I still kind of like what I see along the periphery from him. I, yeah, I think he's going to be good. Yeah, so do I. I mean, I, he doesn't look deer in headlights. He doesn't look overwhelmed. He made an incredible throw to extend that last drive on fourth and six where he yeah. hit it in there to Fryermuth, which is a, catch, a throw and a catch if Mahomes, Rodgers, Josh Allen, if any of those guys make that throw in that moment, they're getting – uh, plaudits from analysts. It was just incredible. Uh, you know, we, we've got a major coaching situation here where the offensive coordinator was a college journeyman, has no business calling NFL plays and the penultimate drive that went belly up. They had third and short and he tried to motion Miles Boykin, a wide receiver into the backfield to do like a bush push to get a first down. And it's like, dude, if you're going to do that, do what the Eagles do and get a large human being back there to yeah. push him. Not a wide receiver, not some kind of bells and whistles play. You know, something that the Steelers have not done all year. You're trying to execute in the most critical moment. So if that play gets executed correctly, you know, maybe none of this happens with the two interceptions at the end of the game for Pickett. So, you know, they left meat on the bone. Their defense rallied in the second half, but they dropped a million interceptions. To be totally truthful, I'm I'm not just saying this is a picket bias guy. I actually thought he played better than Tua because Tua got away outside of the first couple drives. Well, yeah, the first couple of drives, it it could have been 21-0. Right. And Tua, yeah. got, and Tua got away with like five interceptions. Yeah, there were some I bad drops. I think PFF's going to give him a terrible grade. For this yeah, they game, will. If I had to guess, yeah, he he was he was not good. I mean, it, it was not a good or enjoyable viewing experience. I gotta say, um, it was it was not enjoyable in any way, other than the fact that I bet the under at forty five and a half. A huge storyline going in was obviously concussion protocol. Uh, Tua looked sharp 
like McDaniel said he had been since the first incident, he really did. I mean, obviously he he had the bad throws, but in terms of operationally, crispness, all that stuff, getting the ball out, anything that you would be able to like armchair diagnose. And then he tried to like put his head down and run. That's and what I was going to say. Concussed himself two or three times in this game all over again. It's so interesting to me, man. Like we talked about it a lot on last week's show. Like they are carrying themselves like he suffered one normal concussion, not two horrifying ones within four days of each other. And the more I see of their actions, the more confused and compelled I am to believe them that maybe his back did really lock up, even though it seems ridiculous and I want to believe my eyes because don't you think that there'd be some degree of caution? Like if they were scared or if he was scared or if a doctor had said anything scary, don't you think he's not lowering his head the few times that he does run the ball? Well, I think he's wired differently, but that's where the coaching comes in. Like, hey, you're going back out there, but there's no, yeah, you're not taking on, even with the adrenaline going and the heat of the moment, you can't subject yourself to those plays. I do think we saw, again, in a primetime spot, the bloom is off the rose with McDaniel. You know, his game management decisions were very poor. The fourth and three to go for it. When they were up 16-10, you're not playing the Chiefs. You're not playing the Bills. You're playing the Steelers in a broken offense. You kicked the field goal that was not an analytics thing. The analytics said, barely, you kick it. And my just theory in that situation is, I think these are human beings. We have to remember that. I think he knows the entire football world is watching. He's an offensive coach. And his ego's like, we're going to make this play. You know, I think that's what overcomes these guys in situations like that. So his whole boy genius motif, I think, is worn off here, Danny. I didn't think the shine would come off over the concussion stuff, but I think it clearly has with the way he's coached the last few games. I'd still take him in a heartbeat. I'd still buy into the play. Well, yeah, your, your team's coached by Matt Eberflus right now. Yeah, and yours is coached by Matt Canada. Well, I'd Mike st- Tomlin, but yes. Who offensively. Would, who, who employs that person correct yeah yeah and Matt Eberflus employs Luke Getze who will be gone in a year or two and the Bears will have to start over offensively Mm. again and then they'll start over in a year or two after Eberflus (laughs) is gone because that's my lot in life as a Bears fan all right let's first uh, a historic first on first and pod I'd like to lump two games together and discuss four teams, but we can kind of do it as two and two. Okay. Because while one was a bigger favorite than the other, two first ballot Hall of Fame, all-time quarterbacks of a generation lost as favorites, Brady and the Bucks to Carolina in the survivor pool, you know, loser of the week. It's been an absolute bloodbath through seven weeks. And then the Packers against the Commanders, who have now lost to the Giants, the Jets, and the Commanders in consecutive weeks. Which of those teams, preseason, Super Bowl, aspiring NFC, Hall of Fame-led teams, Bucks or Packers, have more hope to be relevant come the end of the season? Green Bay, and I don't even think it's close. Just because of who they've lost to. You know, the hows of it are pretty similar how it's happened. Both quarterbacks have been, not only have they been, not, not only have they have, have they not been productive, but just the way they've carried themselves and acted in game where they're wearing their emotions on their sleeve. And there's like this frustration level with these two guys that's happened, not just in an isolated uh, spot. It just, it, it's, it's happening over and over again. It's a pattern, but the Packers have lost to the Jets, who are five and two. The Giants, who you know, they never seem to die. They win every game by the skin of their teeth. And it was a road game, not against a good team, but you could try to make that argument for Green Bay. The Bucs have lost to the Steelers' incompetent offense that had Mitch Trubisky in at the end of the game, 
and the Panthers who are trying to get the number one pick in back-to-back weeks. Like, open, shut case for me. Yeah, I think you're wrong. Um, I loved how Rodgers carried himself after the game. I know you were doing TV. I'm not sure. Oh, I thought, he, I thought it was so fake and phony with him. I thought he was overcompensating. I, I thought think, he was projecting. I, I, I think it's the type of thing that plays, man. It's the type of with thing. With who? That, a, a football locker room. The, oh, he's so off in his own little world. They don't, he can't relate to those guys at all, Danny. Oh, I disagree. I disagree, man. You mentioned Matt Eberflus. His whole thing is the hits principle. H-I-T-S. Hustle, intensity, takeaways, smart, situational football. Oh, right. like, that's If this were Friday Night Lights, that would work out great for him. If that's- I, I understand, but you know who likes it? The players. Like, it, we're, we're not dealing with, you know, you got to figure out ways to be broad. So, like, Aaron Rodgers speaking that language, I bet you it does play. But here's the thing, man. Path to the playoffs. Pulled this up for you. Green Bay to win the NFC North. You want to take a guess at what they are? Yeah. I'll tell you what, if it's more than like three or four to one, I will make that bet live on the air right now. Plus 490. Like it. You want to take a bet or guess at what Tampa Bay is to win the NFC South? Uh, I bet they're still minus something. Minus 270. Yeah, I know. Okay, but I'm just saying, so, so you, so like that is a, because I, my initial reaction was what you were saying because yeah. of the caliber of the teams and that it looks like Brady at some point might just like tap out and call to the bullpen and completely hang it up. But path to the playoffs, man. Tampa easily can win a bad division still. They would have a home game if it ended today. Like, we need to start talking about the NFC South like we've been talking about the AFC South because we are one week away if Carolina beats Atlanta and Tampa loses next week. And I forget. On Thursday night to Baltimore. On Thursday night to Baltimore. Thank you. Carolina would be in sole possession of first place in the NFC South. That's insane. They're trying well, to tank. You, you, but I understand that. But you, so you didn't ask me who has a better chance of making the playoffs. You basically asked me which team has, who has a, better a better chance, chance to be relevant at the end of the season. Right. Well, the team so, that has a better chance to win the division was going to be, dude, Green Bay is going to miss the playoffs. Well, I would not, I mean, that that's probably that the probability of that is at this point, I would say would exceed 50%. But which which team right now do I think is better? I think it's Green Bay. Or yeah. at least has the chance to get better. I think right now Aaron Rodgers has a better chance, even though the weapon differential is vast between what the Bucs have at wide receiver or are supposed to have at wide receiver as compared to Green Bay. And Lazard got hurt with his shoulder and Bakhtiari didn't even play today because his knee's bad again. I mean, th- th- that's those are troubling uh, injuries for the Packers. Uh, I just, to me, you've reached a point of no return when the Panthers blow you out. You get embarrassed by them. You score three points, dude. Yeah. DJ Moore and your coach is not any good. That's another big distinction. You like LaFleur. Everyone said to Todd Bowles, well, he just inherited a bad Jets team. Well, maybe this guy just sucks at his job. You see his defense today? Can't I, stop Deontay Foreman. Yeah, I listen, I, I did see, and PJ Walker figured out a way to get DJ Moore involved, which they weren't able to do. Um, listen, I thought the Packers were the best team in the NFC until last week. So I'm pretty jarred here I'm, I'm thrown for a loop I I don't understand what's going on it doesn't like Rodgers is off the playmakers are off the offensive line is off the defense is off like they, they, they are not getting they, are they not can't run the ball they can't run the ball they can't take away they get takeaways it like they, they are just a disaster in every facet of the game um I thought that Terry McLaurin was amazing today and Taylor Heineke started one for seven with a but, pick six. Yeah. But then 
like not locked in. That's overstating it. But his box score looks way worse than it did. Like he he clearly settled in, and he's a he's a fun backup quarterback. One hundred percent agree. And and McLaurin, man, that guy is worth every penny that they gave him. I would love to see him get a plus quarterback to see what he could do because I I think he's a true one. And uh, I wish that they I wish the Panthers would trade DJ Moore to a real quarterback, but maybe he'll have to wait until next year. But that crazy development with those two guys today in in the NFL, I consider them both like one A one A stories. Rogers uh, Rogers and Brady. But let's get to the rest of the slate. Niners Chiefs, they're the highest scoring offense in the NFL. They just did it again against the top three statistical defense that had yeah. Bosa back. Have we, since we've seen this for so long, have we collectively taken the Chiefs offense for granted? Well, I was just, I did not think that you were going to subtract Tyreek Hill and that they were going to get back to this level. I still thought they were going to be really good, but I will admit that I thought without him, they were going to miss him. And that was a big statement game by them offensively, no doubt. I think that what we're going to try to figure out here over the next, you know, 11 games or 11 weeks is going to be, you know, is there a team that might not be on Buffalo or or Kansas City's level offensively in the AFC, but they're close and maybe their defense is good enough to kind of make it, you know, where they can enter in as the third team with those two. Because, you know, coming off the Buffalo loss at home, I think the Chiefs needed a game like this. You know, and I wasn't sure what was going to happen today just because they're going to San Francisco. They've got a big jolt, whether, you know, more symbolically with getting McCaffrey. I didn't think it was going to manifest in terms of his production and performance in this game. But I thought their morale was going to be great getting all those guys back. And I thought I kind of thought Kansas City was going to just maybe kind of languish or sleepwalk a little bit in this game. And to their credit, they didn't. And that's the mark of a awesome team led by an all-time great quarterback. And, and coach. And it's a good um, coach, yeah. Yeah. What do you make, as someone who saw every play of his career, what do you make of what Juju Smith-Schuster is doing? Because he's going to the Pro Bowl. He's been awesome. Yeah. Like, I mean, legitimately well, awesome. He was great today. Yeah, but I'll say this. They clearly didn't see this coming from him either because with the way they paid him, they gave Marquez Valdez-Scantling more money than they gave Juju. I think they were throwing darts, man. I think and, they were. I think they were just saying we're going to get five draft picks for Tyreek Hill and save the money and acquire multiple assets and see well, who fits I, and what we can make work. I know they liked him the year before he came back to play with Ben in 2021, and I think the reason why they're such a big fan of the guy is because he does lay it all out there. He's not a prima donna wide receiver. He might do all the TikTok bullshit and Instagram stuff. But when he gets in the social media stuff, but when he gets in between the white lines, he's a tough guy. And I kind of thought that there was too much almost mileage on him. Whereas a wide receiver, he had slowed down a lot. And kind of the physical way that he played, he just didn't have the burst and the big play potential that he had his first couple of years in the league. But clearly, like he said on Sunday Night Football a couple of weeks ago, you give him the right play caller and the right quarterback, and he can become that player again. So yeah, I mean, and Valdez Scantling was good too. I mean, he had 111 yards on just three catches today. You know, it's 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 clearly a system thing, but Juju just jumps off the screen, man. Like getting him with a live arm quarterback again, and as you know, and as you and said, I thought he was just kind of just going to be a possession receiver type player. He's tough That's as hell. It. He's catching everything. Yep. I mean, he's looking to Kelsey first and Juju second on basically every play by design. Um, obviously not as explosive as Tyreek Hill, but if he's going to catch everything in like the intermediate route area, that, that's going to be good enough. And I think Pacheco and I think Moore, even though Moore hasn't done much yet, I think there's still enough time left in the season where both of those guys could become huge 
factors in their offense. Do not sleep on either one of those rookies carving out a niche for themselves and being big-time contributors by the time we get to January. Well, that's the thing. The Chiefs play a lot of young guys. Um, so yeah, they, they, they still can get better, but that, I thought, I thought that was a hell of a game by them. And McCaffrey, uh, just to touch on that story for a minute, he looked real good, real early. Yep. And then over the course of the game, it, he maybe just wasn't, you know, whatever the game. game yeah, he gets a pass. He yeah, gets a pass. He gets, he gets a pass. But you know, he's been good this year and he looked good early, but it was just such a small sample, uh, for him. But you could tell, and Aaron Andrews reported, she was like, yeah, the, the the defensive players were smiling when he was making these plays up on the Jumbotron. Like, I, I do think their roster is scary when healthy, but whew, they got their ass humbled today. That was a well, the Garoppolo, Well, the Garoppolo thing is going to be, there is so much pressure on him now. And yeah. I actually think, in a way, I almost look at this as a no win for him. Unless he wins. Well, but just, but even think about it this way. Do you think with all the embarrassment of riches they have now, if he plays well, do you think he's going to get any credit for it? Because I don't. I think the, I think the players around him and I think the coach will more than him. It, I mean, it depends. Like if, if they win, we talked about this. If they win the NFC, win a Super Bowl, which is what the expectations are, they'll still go back to Trey Lance, overwhelmingly likely. I think it's a Wentz-Foles situation, and I think that the way the Foles thing went in, in your hometown, I think that there's going to be a lot of that. Like, you know what? If we're so desperate, maybe we'll give the guy like three years, $60 million or something like that. But I don't think a smart team is – I think it only yeah, takes that's, one. That's a win for him, by the way. Is it? Yes. Dude, he's not that good. If he, if he signed a $145 million contract, then if his next contract is $60 million to be the starting quarterback for a team that guarantees him a year of being a starter, and if he plays well a second year of being a starter and that team drafts a quarterback, I mean, he's playing for, what, $7 bucks this year, right? Isn't something like that? Yeah. Like didn't they yeah, cap- His actual right? salary, yeah. Right, right, obviously, right. They, they had to pay him more, but in terms of the actual number that it had to get slashed down to, like – he he was about to be a backup quarterback or a you know QB competition quarterback for bad teams for the next five years. But if he wins, yeah, from that, games, from that from that perspective, I agree with you. Based on like what it looked like in the summer for him, that's all. Yeah, that's yeah, all. You're right. Is, he, you're, you're right about he that. He is what he is. Yeah, but he he is what he is. But I mean, he. Yeah, he will not get the most credit, but if he wins games, someone will talk themselves into, well, he's a starter. We'll pay him starting mo- low-end starting money, and that w- that will make him eight figures compared to where he was going. So the t- you said there's going to be a team in the AFC. I don't know if their defense fits the bill, but I know their offense does. Cincy Atlanta, this was the easiest bet of the day. I loved Cincinnati. Yeah, I hammered the Bengals too, by the I way. Did too. But the end of the first half gave me flashbacks to all the ways that Atlanta had backdoor covered good teams. Yeah. Like the Rams uh, earlier this year and like the Bucks with the touchdown yes. field goal sequence that they had. Yeah, no, so. it, 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 betting against Atlanta, they've been undefeated against the, the spread. It's scary. But has Cincy. Weather the storm and now having you saying, okay, early season blip, they're back to being a legitimate, you know, division threat, playoff threat. Well, they've really given up all even like intentions of running the ball, which I'm fine with. I'd rather have them just do what they do best over and over again than be stubborn and just try to be balanced. So I think that's actually a smart move by them to just kind of try to evolve their offense towards just all of their pass game weapons in Burrow. And Chase I think Burrow, Higgins and Boyd, man. What more do you need? Yeah, and I think since he had that awful game against the Steelers where he threw five interceptions, and then the game against Dallas where he got hit a ton, since then I think Burrow at 16 touchdowns, one pick, or something like that, maybe it's yeah. 17 and one. Um, 
Man, he looked today, and it was against a totally different opponent, but it looked like that game he had against Kansas City at the end of the regular season in Cincy last year where people started to say, oh, shit, maybe the Bengals are really good. Yeah. I mean, Atlanta's the- defense has been consistently bad. But, yeah, and, and but the difference now is that we know AJ seen- Terrell. Yeah, and the difference – well, he left the game early, yeah. The, yeah. the only difference now is that we've, or- we've already seen the Bengals do it. So the fact that they put up a huge number against the Falcons is just – you know, it was adding to the resume that was what they pulled off last year. But their defense this season has been okay, I guess. But it was the same thing last year. And then they just rose up late in the year. So same thing. There's a precedent for them having done that before. That, that That's kind of how I felt. It was that I wanted to frame the discussion that way. Like, to me, they're they're what they were last year. And what they were last year was a team that easily could have won the Super Bowl. Um, there will I be, think there, there will be teams that are a horrible matchup for them, though, like we saw with Dallas, because they, they clearly tried to solve the offensive line problem and yep. haven't, as evidenced by the Dallas game, abandoning the run and his sack total. I think there were a few teams in the AFC that from a weapon standpoint, we thought before the season that they could get in there with the Bills and the Chiefs and shoot out games. Miami, because they're receivers. The Raiders, because they're receivers. The Bengals, because they're receivers. Um, that's probably it. I mean, I don't think I'm leaving maybe anybody out. Oh, Chargers, I would say. Yeah, yeah Chargers. But yeah. I, I would say from, from that group of four teams, I would say the Bengals and the Dolphins had the potential to be that, and the other two don't. So I think that third team is either going to be Miami or Cincinnati. Yeah, the Chargers Cincinnati. injuries are just so devastating. And maybe I'm starting to, and we'll talk about it. I mean, the Herbert thing to me now is at least worth talking about. Yeah, well, yeah. all right. We'll, we'll we'll get to that game. That game is deservedly further down the rundown here. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, the games fell off kind of quick, I felt like, today. But um, there were close ones, but I don't know. It was a week slate for me. Dallas-Detroit. Dak was back. He apparently picked this as his opponent. How bullish should Cowboys fans be uh, on their team now that Dak's back? Yeah, I think I, I, I think I would have been before this game, and I don't think this game would make me feel any better because they just had Dak play like Cooper Rush today, and what they really did was just wait for the Lions to self implode, which they did. They just waited for the Lions to be the Detroit Lions. And that's how they got out of there with a win on with a win on on paper that looks way more convincing than it actually was if you were tracking and following that game. Um, Goff had good numbers coming into this game, but we know what he is. And Campbell, I guess, is still winless on the road. Did you know that he's o eleven and one? Yeah, I did know that. <laughs> that's great. That's great. And he owns his shit more than any coach, which I think is a redeeming quality for the media that after games when they lose and like he gets a fourth down call wrong or something happens, he's just like, you know, most coaches just, you know, are really bullheaded about this shit. And he's just like, yeah, I fucked that up. I think we like that about him. There's a likability quotient with this guy that I think is going to allow for him to keep this job, even though he isn't really qualified. I told you that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly, dude. I love this guy. I would hate it if he coached my team, but I love that he's coaching a team. Like, it's great. <laughs> it's fantastic. Like we the NFL's just better with 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 Dan Campbell in it. They I'd be fine with them. Like the Cardinals are on in-season hard knocks. Like the Lions should be on preseason or in-season hard knocks and rotate every year. <laughs> I'm totally fine with it. It's great. Uh they need DeAndre Swift back, by the way, to yeah. be fun and be my Big 12 NFL team uh, that they were the first few weeks of the and season. And St. Brown got hurt in this game again, too. So Yeah, they need their speed on offense to make golf tolerable. Um, the The Cowboys thing, I'm basically with you. It's I don't know how fair it is because it's his first game back and he was efficient. He was 19 of 25 passing, wasn't really driving the ball down the field, looked a little hesitant to me to, to the eye test. Um, but the numbers didn't really back that up. 
but it just seemed like he was just getting it out quick, dumping it down, like had no interest in like really hanging in there. Um, it's like if they would have had that score, and obviously if it was against a great defense, you'd be fine with it. But even if it was against like a middling defense, you'd be like, oh, okay, it's just rust. But you, even though we mentioned the idea of him playing like Cooper Rush, Lions are a bottom five defense in the NFL. Yep. It feels – it just felt like they should have been able to make – I know they ended up with 24, but like you said, it was misleading and it was helped by turnovers more than their offense being explosive. It, it felt like their offense should have been able to sustain longer drives in that game, have 400 yards of offense. Like, just nothing about Dallas seemed ready, but obviously the NFC is so wide open and their pass rush is great. So, obviously, they're going to be a factor. But I was not impressed today. Yeah. Yeah, they played that game to win and not really like work on things that might make them better in the big picture. Um, the AFC South Invitational today between the Colts uh, and Titans. And now now Tennessee is back from the dead with four straight wins, but they've really just beaten the teams in their division who are all either just bad or underachieving. So... Here's your chance to talk about the team that you hate the most in the league, the Titans, and the fact that we'll probably have to watch them play a Saturday afternoon wild card weekend game again this year. I mean, well, yeah, dude. So first of all, before I talk about the Titans, we are going to just have to reference. We should we should do it like uh, they they want bit they want weekly bits like the Matt Ryan misleading box score of the week because. <laughs> Last week, I was like, oh, 42 of 58, three touchdowns, no picks, no sacks against Jacksonville. Like, Matt Ryan kind of figured it out. Yeah. Okay. It just took him a while. He figured it Narrator's out. Narrator's voice. He did not figure it out. <laughs> he looked terrible. Yeah. He, went, he looked terrible. So, I, I don't understand what's going on with that team or this division. And my weekly update on what the AFC South odds are, your Tennessee Titans, back to being the gambling favorite at only minus 115. Colts, plus 165. Jaguars, plus 500 to win the AFC South. Texans at like 15 to 1. But this division stinks. Whoever wins this division is going to be a home underdog in the playoffs. They are terrible. They are unwatchable. We should also put these teams at the bottom of the rundown going forward. What it's come down to for me is that both have star running backs and one guy is getting better. Henry at three has three straight 100 yard games. Yeah. And just Taylor, who was the number one overall pick in so many fantasy leagues has just been a colossal disappointment for them when he should be in his prime and he should be one of the best players in the league. The final thing on Matt Ryan and the Colts in general that I'll say Danny is you know, having lived it with Big Ben the last couple of years, when you have that like Hall of Fame or right below a tier quarterback at the end, you just experience these highs and lows on a weekly basis where they tease you and then they remind you almost simultaneously that they're not what they used to be. And Philip Rivers did that and Eli Manning did that and Ben did that. And these quarterbacks that are like that just do that for an entire season because they're almost incapable of being consistent. So I think Indy could still win like eight or nine games, but sure it's not could. going to be pretty. And Ryan will probably have four or five more games that have us on here. Like, holy shit, he looked great. And then have five, four or five more games that make us feel like he should retire tomorrow because that's just what these guys are at, are when they're 38, 39 years old. So yeah, good, good for Colts fans that you're basically locked into Matt Ryan for next year. So <laughs> Yes. You, have to, you have to experience this for 24 more games or whatever it is. My guy, Gino, hangs 37 on the Chargers. When is this going mainstream, Pony? When does the national media start not just making the jokes about him compared to Russ, but when do we start talking? I know it wasn't huge, only 210 passing yards, but yeah. The, the degree of difficulty on some of those throws was pretty high. Again, I, I am a believer in Geno Smith. When does he start getting credit and not just being some sort of novelty act here? 
Well, a couple things. If he does it now that Metcalf is out, he was carted off the field. This was not like a, he has to take a shit moment like the last time. I think right. this was actually a legitimate injury. Seems like okay. it, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, or if he's just always getting carted off to go to the bathroom, that is just like a baller-ass move. Yeah, I was going to say, pretty game. swaggy. Yeah. But also, just, you know, there's some boy who cried wolf there with him. Um, you know, DK Metcalf, one yeah. catch, 12 yards. Yeah, so, you know, if he has to do it without him, then that would make it even more impressive. Um, I do think that some of the shine is going to go to Walker because he's also a shiny new toy, and he was awesome today at running back. And then I think the other thing that actually hurts Gino is what Saquon Barkley is doing. Because I think Barkley right now gets the you know guy who's having the biggest rebound season. The Giants are 6-1. and one. And he's the comeback player of the year. And then Geno Smith is like the next guy. And the thing that's cool about that is those two teams play next weekend. So that'll be the narrative. Geno Smith playing his old team. The guy who started when Eli got benched controversially. And really a chance there if the Seahawks win that game and it's in Seattle. I think you might even see the odds in that market shift a little bit over to Geno Smith. So. I guess I mean, what I'm saying is it'll take a win like that. You play the Chargers. They were supposed to be a good team. We talked about this, Danny. Like, those games happen, like, in another universe because nobody gives a fuck about that team, especially when they're at home, dude. Right. No, they play 17 road games. They did uh, – so I watched the game today at the River Sportsbook. So Nice pop for them. Yeah, it was great. But there was – so, you know, no like, no Bears – no red zone. Like you could literally just watch in its entirety every game, bounce around, focus on the games that you cared about based on the moment, your bets or whatever. And they had sounds predominantly on Packers commanders, but uh, I was watching a lot of this game and they put up the graphic and did like the timeline of Gino's career. And it's like, all right, he wasn't a first round pick. He was a second round pick. You remember that. And then he it's obviously the Jets terrible franchise and then he's just backing up good quarterbacks right he's with the Giants behind Eli one year with the Chargers in 2018 then he's backing up Russ in Seattle like why is it not within the realm of possibility that Geno Smith was a victim of a horrible organization, bad offensive coaching, multiple systems, and then went and played behind three high-level talents and only got spot starts and did okay, by the way, at least in terms of win-loss, in those spot starts, and then now gets his chance with two legitimate receivers until Metcalf today. And all of a sudden is like a legitimate starting quarterback for the next five years. He's 32. What, why, yeah. why is that not possible? Well, because it's just so, it's just, it doesn't really happen that often anymore because there's, there's such, there's such little patience with these guys that if they're not good, almost instantaneously, they're kind of lost to the dustbin of quarterback history. Well, right, but I guess so, my point is he it's not like he's been given a chance to win jobs the last five years and lost them. Well, I think the problem is because I watched the guy in his entire college career too. I think just what happened was the book was he played in a system in college in the Big 12 where yeah. they just points were scored plentiful points. He didn't have to really do any reading of defenses to be good, just kind of the way that 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 league played its games for such a long time. Wasn't a first round pick, even though the guy's got a great arm and great size. And just, I think like, I think Danny, just the expectations weren't high enough for him to get multiple chances. You know? Fine. Like, even if I grant all of that, like it just, my eyes are telling me that that guy is a top 32 starting quarterback in the NFL. I would agree with that so far based on what we've seen this season. Yeah. And it just, it's just, to me, that's interesting in terms of like how, we, like, even these teams that have him in camp and have film on him still evaluated him 
as a backup and a backup and a back. That's three different organizations where they just brought him in to just be a backup to an entrenched starter. Well, and he no might end up gave him a shot. And he might end up costing Seattle the pick that would get them the next franchise quarterback because he plays too well. Yeah. For them to do that. I think he's the best story in the NFL. Mm. From the LA standpoint, man, like Herbert is a rich man's version of Trevor Lawrence. In that we've seen him, unlike Lawrence, we've seen him put up huge numbers. And we've also like, but we've also crowned him prematurely in a way. Like, come on, man. You got, I know the rib thing, but come on, dude. You can't be losing. Everything you just said about Geno Smith is true. But we've seen teams just mutilate the Seahawks defense. Go out there and just Light them up, bro. You got Keenan Allen back. Light them the F up. Yeah. That's I mean, two, not two asking too much. Two targets for Keenan Allen. That didn't make a lot of sense. Um, I, he I, shouldn't be a quarterback graded on a curve. That's all. He's in his third year now. Like, no, I thought I, he was going to throw I, 50 I know, touchdown passes this year. I Like, I... Him coming in with Anthony Lynn... And having 31 touchdowns as a rookie, it was just like, oh, that guy's good. But he passes your eye test in terms of what he can do with the football, too. That's the other thing. Well, sorry, but, think- yeah, but, 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 and the production, like, like two defensive, like, you know, or Anthony Lynn, terrible coach, no game management awareness whatsoever, was dead man walking the whole year. Sure. Defensive coach comes in. And yeah, he's got everything you could possibly want around him when healthy. So that's the thing. Like, he's got Williams, he's got Allen, he's got Eckler, he's got Slater, he's got Lindsley. Like, he's he's got one of the best offensive supporting casts in the entire league, line and skill position guys. So he should be productive. But then he has the eye test and he's done it. Like the, the, he hasn't now he hasn't won. Uh, but the number the numbers are there and the eye test is there. I'm just so disappointed I, in him this year. I, I think it's I think it's fair. I just I Again, I I probably go by eye test a little bit more than I should. I think that guy is special. And so I will assume that there's something going on with the rib injury still. Call me okay. call me an apologist for him. That's I fine. I think you That's are. Fine. I think at okay. this point you are. That's fine. That's fine. What's our next game? The next game is the Giants and Jags. Mm. Okay. <laughs> it's the zombie Giants that cannot right. be killed. You... A born Giants fan. Yes. Are you believing? Is there anything that they could do? Because you correctly pointed out that the market does not believe. Is there anything they could do? Because they won again and they were resilient. And they came back. Four fourth quarter comebacks this year, Pony. Most of any team in the NFL. Is there anything the Giants could do to make you believe that they are a good team this year? Well, I think they'd have to beat – I think they'd have to win one of their games against Philly. I think they'd almost have to do something like that or go to Dallas and win. You know, like what they're doing here is I think they've moved. Are they still, you know, overachieving? Yeah, the point differential, I think they're plus 27 at 6-1. and one. You know, that's not – the math doesn't add up there. Yeah. You know, they're winning all these coin flips. You know, they're hot at the – blackjack table or whatever analogy you want to use but like I think they have crossed the Rubicon to like there's always a team like this that things just click in a season I think they are that kind of team at the moment I think they'll probably still finish around like 10 and 7 off a 6 and 1 start and you know that's a hell of a first season for a coach of a franchise that has been the last five years tied with the Jets for like the fewest wins in the entire NFL. So, I mean, from like, you've got to love as a Giants fan, the way that they've won despite injuries and no production from wide receiver and getting Daniel Jones to take the turnovers out of his game. I mean, that's awesome. Like as long as you just have the bar of like, they're getting way better and they're probably going to make the playoffs. And if, and everything from there is like gravy, then 
you know, kudos to the Giants. I think if I was doing a show on WFAN talking about the Giants, I think I would lead with Dable every week. I think I think that's the 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 story. And and, and I and I agree. And even though you know, such a hardcore fan, uh, you know, New York City sports fan, they demand winning. They demand greatness. I also think that they've been so beaten down by being so bad for so long. The fact that they're kind of fluky, I would not want to, to me, is there room for criticism that they're not a great team? Sure. But I just don't think that that matches the, um, the personality and feelings of their fan base right now, where they're just overjoyed, regardless of how they're finding a way to win games. I think that that's probably what I, the emotion that I would go by. Yeah, me too, but I would, but I would be saying like, we talked about this a bit last week. Today, no fumbles, no interceptions, five fewer penalties than your opponent. Yeah. Quarterback only sacked once. Tough defensive stand at the end of the game. Fourth, fourth quarter comeback this year. That's the sign of a disciplined, well-coached football team. I agree. So, like, I, I would be talking about it purely in that lens. Don't get – don't – get emotional on Saquon. Don't get emotional on Daniel Jones. Don't think you're better than you are. You're not going to get as good of a draft pick as you wanted, but like, I think you might have made the best hire of this hiring cycle. Yep. And in a league that is like coach quarterback GM is those three people on a 53 man salary cap sport is like, 75 percent of the battle i agree you know? and it's gonna get the it's gonna get the offensive coordinator who broke all the shit in the booth after the dolphins game in buffalo it's gonna get him a head coaching job this next hiring cycle too because now dable has proven that it wasn't just josh allen that maybe yeah. there's a culture and being under mcdermott and it's going to start a whole coaching tree for him i think too Based yeah, on what it, Dable has done. It 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 might. Um, in fact, I think he'll be the Panthers' next coach. Mark my words. Okay. But Dorsey? Yes. Okay. I like that. Um, uh, and as far as the game, I think you had an interesting spin on this. The Ravens and Browns game, you wanted to make a point about how the Browns are two and five. But what's really the difference between them and the Ravens? Another Maybe game I watched. I another game I watched a lot of. Um, I had the over there, and I have no idea how that game did not go over forty three and a half. That I like a, that. I have no idea. But um, so one team's in first place. The other has four straight losses, and I watched that game, and I was like, "This is the Spider Man meme, man." <laughs> like. Super flawed offensive teams with one really special player on each. I know Andrews is very good, but hasn't been at super productive. Like Lamar, super special. Chubb, super special. Defenses with name talent that should be way better than they are. Neither strikes any fear into you whatsoever. Cleveland's been losing. Baltimore's pulled off some close wins. They would each present unique matchup challenges for any team in the league. Lamar would, Chubb would. Mm -hmm. But there's no scenario right now where I see either of them being able to rattle off three playoff wins to like actually be a, a contender in their conference. To me, it's like the perfect encapsulation of the razor-thin margin between first and last in the NFL. And I think the Ravens are in the wrong conference. Because the Ravens, I think, possess a lot of the qualities of like the Rams and now like to an even lesser extent, the Packers and the Buccaneers just because of how bad they looked this Sunday. But if Baltimore were four and three in the NFC, it would be like, you know what? Like all it takes is one good two or three week stretch. Yeah. They can do that based on the quality of teams they're matching up with and playing. But it just doesn't, it just seems so daunting in the AFC. Even if they win that division, it just doesn't seem like something. 
like these aspirations that the Ravens were just going to go back to being the team that they were a couple of years ago. I just don't see that happening now. You know, like you talk about coach quarterback GM combination. There was the expectation there in Baltimore. They had all those three, three things locked down this year. They'd made all the right moves in the draft and in the off season. I'm not seeing it, Danny, and I'm pessimistic on those things coming together for them over the next. Yeah, I would, I would, I would, I would be too. Uh, and obviously, the Browns thing. There's just the huge variable of: Are they getting a top five to seven quarterback? Right. That obviously would change the dynamic of like the long term future. But they've lost too many games. Yeah. To to, to be relevant this to be relevant the rest of this season. But Chubb, by the way, has some. Uh, some challenges. We'll get to that at the last game, but Jets and Broncos here. This was such a dead nuts under. Both these defenses are good. Are we willing to say that? Yeah. Right. Can I tie in this game to the last one in a way? Please. I want to run something by you. Yeah, please. If I'm the Jets, I would trade for Kareem Hunt tomorrow by the end of this podcast. Makes too much sense. Hunt's in the last injury. Hunt's in the last year of his deal. He, I think he touched the ball three times for minus four yards. I think he had a touchdown, but he was like at the goal line, but he was like barely used. Chubb's great. You want to give it to him. He averages like nine yards a carry when he actually gets the ball. Um, you know, the, the Browns are now two and five. He wanted to leave there anyways. This is a perfect situation. Trade him to New York. But, but, but what why like what do you, what why do you want to trade for a one year running back just to if I'm the Jets, yeah, I'm five and two right now. My other running back is more of a second running back who's a complimentary back. I do that even if he has a great second half for me. Who cares? Hall will come back for off his ACL. Hunt will become a free agent, and he's a guy that I know can kind of fit the mentality of our team, which is you know we wanted to pound Hall a lot and use him some explosiveness. I think Hunt still has that. I think Hunt still, maybe not a top 15 running back, but I think he's a top 25 running back in the league. Yeah, I just, I mean, like, you know, I was okay with the McCaffrey swing because you're trying to win a Super Bowl. I don't think the Jets are winning a Super Bowl, but like if you're telling me. No, you've got to go for the playoffs now. And if you give up, you know, they've, they've gotten a bunch of picks. You trade like a day three. I think you trade a day three pick for him. And the Browns are, they're not an old school front office. They know the writings on the wall with Hunt. They know the writings on the wall this season. I think they'd flip him for like a for like a six that might turn into a fifth based on how, how the Jets season goes. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, yeah. Listen, that's those, a trade are, that makes too much sense for both teams not to do. Yeah, those are that's those those are lottery tickets. I like it. Um, if we're the, the Broncos defense, this story has happened in Chicago like probably nine times in my lifetime where it's like at some point in the season, reporters are just going into the locker room and asking defensive players if they resent the offensive players because the defense is so clearly Super Bowl caliber and the offense is supposed to be good and they invested in it and it's just like they're letting them down and the offense gets talked about more than the defense and the defensive guys don't get their shine. The Broncos defense is incredible. It, I mean, I know the Jets aren't great, but – what is it now? It's is it seven or eight touchdowns they've allowed this year in seven games? It's crazy. Like I think what might happen there is I could see them firing the head coach, obviously at the end of the year, but in the interview process for the next head coach, they want to keep the defensive coordinator around for the next head coach. I would 100% consider that. If I were them, it just that 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 hurts your interview pool, right? It's like you know, it, it but but it's it's obviously working, and you should hire an offensive coach to figure out what the hell's going on with your quarter of a billion dollar quarterback. Who again, you just are kind of happy he's hurt because he's been so bad. But I would just like in that division, I would love to have seen like we were we were right on Denver. We didn't think it was going to be this bad. Yeah. But I would have loved to have seen them be a competent offense with by far the best defense in the division 
to just kind of like change it up a bit compared to how those other teams are constructed. It would have been, it would have just been great theater because the defense is awesome and there's nothing there offensively for them. It was an unwatchable offensive game and Williams and Gardner are great. Yep. Gardner's a top 10 corner in the NFL already. Guy's awesome. Like very clearly going to be and a $100 million cornerback. And back to our earlier conversation about the Bengals. But the Bengals did offensively against the Jets now looks even better. Yeah. If they went again, in there. Doing it against Rippon and the Broncos offense, like they're one of the worst offenses in the league. But I watched a decent amount and I thought. No, but what I'm saying is the only offense all year that's kicked the Jets' ass was Cincy's. The right. whole year. Right. Baltimore, the Jets' defense is good. Baltimore just hit a couple of fluke plays. They didn't march the ball up and down the field on them. The only team that's taken the ball and gone 75 yards repeatedly on them was Cincinnati. Yeah. They didn't get credit for that at the time, but they should now based yeah. on how good we know these young guys are for the Jets' defense. Yeah. No, you're right. The, the, those were two two bad offenses against two good defenses. Like that that was yeah. that was what that game was. It was not just it was not just bad offense. Uh Josh Jacobs had a monster. I pulled it up because I have my 11 to one ticket on Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb at 649, Saquon at 616, and then Jacobs all the way back at 490. And then Miles Sanders 485. And then Lamar Jackson is your fifth leading rusher in the NFL in the contract year. Just not given a bleep <laughs> about it. Uh, all the res- all the respect in the world. You think it's a two horse race or a three horse race for the Russian crown? You think Jacobs is is still in the mix with Barkley and Chubb? He looks awesome. Yeah, I did not see this coming at all. He looks you know, so I- good. When McDaniels made Jacobs play in the Hall of Fame game in August, I thought he might cut the guy. I mean, I really did. I just did not. His first couple of years with Oakland, he had a, he had thousand yard seasons. I thought it was more because of volume. I thought he was a pedestrian running back. Um, he is not. Like he, well, he is a brick house. And everybody thought that offensive line was shit. Yeah. So, you know, it's. It's honestly, it's a stunning development and it's really something that makes you think about the Raiders. Like if that running back is that good, and we know what Adams is and they can run block well enough for the, for this kind of monster season, like, Okay. Like that, you, you're you've got something there now. Yeah, he's only 24. Or no, excuse me. Yeah, no, 24. He's no, what I'm in the draft and 24 years old. What what I'm saying is, last year they made the playoffs and they had an unbelievable record in the fourth quarter and overtime of games that w- won't happen again. But their offense right now is much better than last year's team that made the playoffs. Not even close. You've added Waller and you've got an elite running back now. Yeah. You've added, so, added Adams. Yeah, like they're two and four. But I think any, and not just the lip service, I think every team that plays the Raiders from here on out will say, the the like the, when the coach talks the week, the, the Tuesday or Monday before the game, will be like, this team is fucking good. And we talked about it in the preview. One point loss to the Chiefs at Arrowhead, two point loss in Tennessee, six point loss to the Cardinals in overtime. Crazy, weird, terrible, collapse, fluky, one out of a hundred loss, five point loss to the Chargers in the opener. Like, no embarrassing losses, all by six points or less. Jacobs' last three games 143, 154, 144. Who's their next game? Rushing yards. Um, let me pull it up. Pull it up real quick. Waller didn't play today, by the way. Yeah. Um, in, at the Saints. Yeah, in 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 New Orleans, in Jacksonville, home against Indy, in Denver, in Seattle, home against the Chargers. Yeah, they they definitely can go on a run. They can get hot, man. They definitely they absolutely can. can. 
can. They definitely can. Um, wow. Yeah, that, you know, you still would worry a little bit about pass protection. Who um, would you bet to finish second in that division right now, the Chargers or Raiders? Prisoner of the moment, I know. Prisoner of the moment. But, yeah, I don't know. The <laughs> I, Honestly, dude, Jacobs has looked – because he also – there hasn't been like an 80-yarder. He's averaging like seven yards of carries last three games with his lo- with a long of you don't want to bail yards. on the char- uh, you don't want to bail on the Chargers, but you know the right answer is the Raiders. Yeah, yeah, I don't. That's exactly right. You know me very well. That's right. I don't want to. I don't want to say it because I still think the hey, Chargers are crazy talented. But yeah, it's it's the final. Um, just a comment from you on the game Monday night between the Patriots and Bears as a Chicago guy. Let's hear it. Quick one. I'd like to believe that with the mini buy, that Matt Eberflus would be able to show me something, but he's on the road against Bill Belichick with Justin Fields. That doesn't bode well. I think that it's going to be unwatchable offensive football. I think Dirty Bill did his patented seven-minute diatribe to open the week where he said that the Bears are a great team, and he named every player on their special teams unit, like, just to show how much he studied and how much he knows, and then they're going to win by 20, 24 points. If the Bears don't cover seven and a half, I have to pick up the tab on a four-hour open bar here next week. So what are you doing? You're, you're just eating Taco Bell and picking up tabs? You're just you're just radio stunt guy now? I love no, that. I'm not. Well, hold on. I first of all, I love that about you. You wore a wig this year. <laughs> like, no, why are so, we hosting together again? I love that. That's great. So we do, we do a, we do like a pick of the week that we're most confident in, and I have gotten it wrong. Every, I'm, I'm literally zero and six. <laughs> so. And we just keep what do you upping get it? You get it right. You just have to do something if you No, we, we just keep upping the ante like, you know, you, you know, I'm so sure of this pick now because I've gotten the last five wrong. Yeah. Did you I'm, eat the $28 worth of Taco Bell? That's going to be that's going to be on Thursday. You're eating the Taco Bell on Thursday. Yeah, and I have no input on what items are in that order at all. I I I, I saw that qualifier on Twitter. That doesn't matter. There's no combination of $28 worth of tacos. <laughs> People are like, oh, you got to do the cheesy gordita crunch. No, you just got to do 40 tacos. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like seven cheesy burritos or 30 tacos is equally horrifying. I'm actually, this is not a joke. When people are listening to this Monday morning, I will be on my way to the doctors because my doctor wants to talk about like this whole situation with me in terms no. of how my, I swear to God, <laughs> in terms of how my body will respond and react to it. Yeah. You're in good shape. I'm okay. I have horrible, basketball. You have a job. I do. I still, I still play, but I, I have, I have horrible anxiety. I don't know if you suffer from that. Uh, yeah, I do. But, I, but so, so your doctor's worried about your anxiety because of Taco Bell? Well, just like, you know, thinking about it for days. I've been, I have been for two weeks. I've been worried about this. Why? Because I don't want to. Are you like a crazy healthy eater? I don't want to get fucking sick. And I know I'm going to get sick, dude. Oh, sack up. (laughs) You'll be fine. I've been taking probiotics every day for the last six days to get ready for this. Yeah. What are you, my newborn? (laughs) Like. You're making the transition to formula? What the hell's the matter with you? Yeah, man. You'll be fine. No, I'm not going to be fine. You just went on a soliloquy three minutes ago stating the reasons why this is not going to work for me. Well, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be difficult and you're going to like your stomach's going to hurt and you're going to have a long bathroom stint that's going to hurt. Which but- how has Taco Bell managed to stay around this long and prosper when everyone says that it just makes you sick? How have they maintained? Well, most people go and get like a quesadilla with a taco kicker and then, you know, feel a little bad on the back end. Most people don't eat $28 in a sitting. No, but it's like everybody even, you just said it there, on the back end. It's like 
Taco Bell is synonymous with people having to shit. And if I took over Taco Bell, if I were their CEO, that would be the type of brand change that I would be working on. Uh, yeah, maybe, like, that's why have, they have, maybe that's why they have Pete Davidson doing their commercials now. Yeah, that'll solve it. Like how like how Domino's did their big rebrand. Yeah, that one actually worked. By the way, they're like, "Hey, our bad. Our pizza was bad, but now it's good. You can try it. We'll give you free delivery to try it." And everyone's like, eh, "Okay, free delivery." And they're like, "Damn, it's actually pretty good." Um, all, all right, right. all right. First in pod. Subscribe, rate, review, share with a friend. Thank you to Spencer Ray. He's Andrew Philponi. I'm Danny Parkins. We'll talk to you after Thursday Night Football. Peace. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.